clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Long day today, huh, Doc? Pretty long, yeah. yeah. How you doing? I'm great. I'm living the dream. You kidding me? I'm talking to you. You're wearing these <laughs> fabulous hoop earrings and this very fancy, like, I want to say it's like a purplish sweater. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These... I mean, I'm a little bit sad to hear that that's the best part of your day, is my sweater. Welcome back to the University of Pleasure, everybody. We hope you are all doing well, and that you are all healthy, and that you are all safe, and that you are finding a little bit of pleasure. Pleasurable, pleasurable, pleasurable. Was that the Jim Carrey movie when he was like, and he did the whole thing with his mouth, he was like, Making women orgasm from far away or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I followed none of any of that. You don't ever listen to me. Well. I say such amazing things. I I listen, but just because I listen doesn't necessarily mean I understand. (laughs) Touche. I got docked by the doc. (laughs) All right. Well, we have an interesting one today. Normally, I don't say normally, because we've had some little serious topics in the past, and this one I think is a little bit more serious than we normally do, because, you know, talking about, like, mirrors like we did last week, a little bit of kink here and there, a little bit of, you know, this one I think is a little bit more on the, uh, on the heavier side. Would you say that, Doc? Well, I mean, we're just, we're going to talk about feelings, right? Feelings. Do you know what fine means? Yes. Oh. All right. Well, you just totally destroyed my joke because I was going to tell you what fine means. And I mean, just for our audience out there, fucking incapable of natural emotions. That's what fine means. Okay. To some. And that's a technical term. It's that not. Is a, that it's is a, not. That is a, that is a doctor technical term. It's not. That, nope. Because I learned it from my high school girlfriend, my high school sweetheart. She taught it to me and she was definitely going to a doctor talking about stuff like that. <laughs> One of my favorite things about you, Jeremiah, is the way that you speak with authority on any subject. <laughs> no. Isn't that the way everybody does? <laughs> Some, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here is our topic that I'm definitely not going to talk on authority, and I'll explain that in a moment. You've got baggage. I've got baggage. We've all got baggage. Unpacking your past to improve your present. The reason that I'm not going to talk about this with authority, Doc, is because I am one of those rare people, and we've talked about in other episodes, that I don't have any baggage. That I walk free through the world, flowing in the breeze like a beautiful cape, like Superman, in the sense that I feel completely untethered by struggles. 
And I think our fans know that. They can hear it when I talk. Don't you think? Uh, I mean, I, I think it sounds just as ridiculous now as it did then. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm only laughing to make you feel more at ease in this moment. Oh, I was just right. being 100% serious. So let's move on to some doctory things and see if we can help people unpack their baggage. Sure. I like it. Let's go. <laughs> let's jam. You want to? I'm waiting for you to start. You're the host, man. You're the one that's supposed to give me like a prompting question. Okay. I want to make this all clear. You all heard her say that I'm the host. Yeah. I just want to be clear. I just want to be very clear about that. That she, you, everybody, all of our millions and millions of fans all over the world. <laughs> yes. Heard you say, I am the host. Just want to be clear. Okay. Baggage. What are we talking about? To be very clear, Doc, what are we talking about when it comes to baggage? Well, I think that there are, you know, baggage is one of those terms, right, that can be sort of multi-dynamic, right? There's a lot of different definitions. Um, I think that really more than anything, I'm probably going to speak about it like the things that the experiences and the things that people can bring into new relationships, right? Or bring into their relationships from past experiences with other people. And, um, you know, there's, uh, we won't today focus as much on like, you know, sometimes people might define baggage as like, oh, like a really um, complicated family situation that they have, right? Like, let's say somebody has uh, a parent who's a particular struggle and they're like, ah, I got baggage, right? But the baggage sure. that I'm talking more about today is really more about the ways that our histories, right, and our previous relational experiences impact how we engage in our current relationships. That's more of what. Okay. I okay. I'm totally on board with this. Not that you needed my approval, but as the host of the show, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we we're clear about that. Um, then I'm on board. I think this is great. Let's talk about when you say baggage, what are, what are, let, me, let me rephrase. What are like common baggage issues that have to do in relationships that you come across? Well, I mean, I think just first is probably important to say that like this, this topic of like, it kind of seems maybe like a little bit tired to people, right? Like sometimes this idea of like, yeah, 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 our past and former present, yeah, yada, 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 right? It's kind of like a no duh topic for some people. Is it though? Well, but Is that's because I know a lot of people who never, ever have, I've never had that conversation around a dinner table. Right. Well, I think it's like something that sort of people like intellectually understand that like, yeah, our past might impact how we do things. But people, what they really, I think, sometimes struggle, and not everybody, because some people are pretty insightful about these things or have done a lot of work. But some people, and a fair number of people, can often really struggle to understand how significantly it can impact how we engage in relationships. Okay. Give us some examples here. Well, I think that um, sometimes what people don't really realize is you know, patterns, right? So relational patterns that they might bring into their new relationship from a past relationship. And Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. And, um, you know, like struggling to see how maybe something that occurred during a past relationship. And when I say relationship, I don't actually even necessarily mean just romantic relationships, right? For some people, mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. can also be uh, parent-child relationships or things that happened in their home growing up, right? And we can get more into some of that stuff, but it's really sort of this idea that, you know, 
people sometimes can really struggle to see some of the patterns they're in. Why? Well, you're in it, right? It's it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard to see a cycle when you're in when you're inside of it, right? It's always easier to look at it from the outside. You know, yeah. you know, my job is like a therapist or a psychologist, right, is often on the outside to observe those things to people. And, you know, what's really interesting to me is this idea of like these patterns, like sometimes I can be maybe in a session with someone and they can be describing like a current struggle they're having in their relationship. And then they describe a little bit of their history or things that are happening. And I can like very easily be like, oh, yeah. Well, I can absolutely see why that's hard now, given all those experiences, right? And it's really interesting because I'll, I'll point those patterns out to people and they seem very maybe obvious to me as an outsider, but people will often be like, oh my God, I never thought of Mind that. Mind blown. Right? And I think that that is just kind of speaks to this idea that for all of us, right, it's, you know, it's much easier when you have a bird's eye view of something, right, rather than when you're inside of it. I mean, I would right, presume right, right, right. in your own relationship, Jeremiah, you've had experiences and which maybe you looked back on it later and you were like, oh, yeah, that was happening. There was there was a bit of a pattern there. No, 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 not really. Not me personally. But, you know, I understand that it might be other people and that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> aren't, aren't you the paragon of mental health? <laughs> Well done, Jeremiah. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Of course, I would, ladies and gentlemen. I would tell you to write a book, but I do get a little worried that, that you would. Didn't you know that I don't you know I wrote a book? I meant more a book about, you know, how to be the world's highest functioning human. I meant Ooh. You just gave me a title. Oh. I like it. Oh. I like it. I'm gonna take the world's highest functioning. I'm gonna actually put that on like my Instagram tonight. World's highest functioning human. <laughs> it's gonna literally say Dr. Tara Jansen said <laughs> Jeremiah James is the world's highest functioning human. With dripping sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> Oozing with sarcasm. Look, no, of course, in all uh, seriousness, because this is a little more serious of a topic. Yeah, no, there. I mean, hindsight, that's why people say hindsight is twenty twenty, And, you know, I always joke around, I was like, hindsight's a bitch, because you do look back and, you know, like, you go, of course. You know, you're seeing it from a different place. You have a little bit more knowledge and you go, I could have maybe done that better or I was stuck in this type of pattern. And I actually was for a long time stuck in a very uh, difficult pattern uh, where I personally was – I didn't understand the difference between dating and being in a relationship and I would constantly end up being hurt because I was like somebody knew what dating really meant. And this is kind of a silly example, but it gives you an understanding of like when you're looking back in retrospect and you learn a little bit, you, then you kind of go, oh, okay. That was a little, you know, I could have handled that better or, you know, I just didn't have the knowledge at the time. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I think that this idea of hindsight, right, it lets us see patterns. And sometimes what happens is we can look back and see those patterns, but what we don't realize is that we're still playing them out in our present, oh, that we're still yeah. doing it, right? At least to maybe not the same degree, but maybe a different iteration of it. Um, and I and I think sometimes it's helpful to, to think about this, uh, if I can be a little bit, you know, psychologist nerd for just a, <laughs> but just a bit, right? Give it. Because, um, you know, like I said, when you, when you kind of say this idea that like, hey, the experiences that you've had in your life impact the way that you think, the way that you behave, right? Like, 
intellectually that stuff makes sense, but sometimes people don't really understand how deeply that can impact you. Um, there's this idea that development is cumulative, right? Like, so as we move through life, each experience builds upon the next, right? Like a snowball going down a hill, right? Sure. Every experience adds to the next. It's not like, you know, you have one experience and then everything's erased and then you have a new one and then everything's erased, right? Like they all <laughs> totally, build. Totally, it makes perfect sense. I sure. once had a, uh, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was like a professor or somebody uh, that said, we are all the ages we have ever been. Right. Sure. This idea that like the person you are today, right, carries with it all of the experiences of the past. And I think sometimes a lot of this stuff for people, and this is where I'm going to sound very psychologisty, right, but is is unconscious, right? Like a lot of times people aren't even aware of how the, all of those experiences might come together and impact how maybe they see themselves and particularly they see themselves in context of relationships. And a lot of times that's why these, this kind of quote unquote baggage can kind of sneak up on people. Right. Um, so let me give an example here. So if we're talking about, let's say when I tie my shoes, I don't think about how I tied my shoes. I just do it. It's like a secondary thing. Right. Yeah. But if I had a really terrible experience that had to do with tying my shoes, it might bring up really bad things. And that's why I wear Velcro shoes all the time. Yeah. I mean, like there there might be certain things that are you have no sort of connection to in the past, but so they they remain relatively benign. But yeah, then there are other experiences maybe that you have that can trigger certain feelings or insecurities or emotions, right? And it can cause So was was my example good? Was it a good example? It it was good enough. <laughs> It was good enough, All right. Jeremiah. All right. I thought I was Confucius there for a second. And you just were like, mm, yeah. Hey, it I, worked. I was like, you oh, know what? Guess it worked not. here. It worked guess for Yes, I wasn't. <laughs> but trying I, to participate. Right. No, um, please keep participating, Jeremiah. Um, but I think it's really about this idea that, you know, our pay, our, you know, and, and I guess what you brought up is like, you know, maybe something that might be earlier in childhood. And again, these things can happen, right? Our patterns of engagement often don't just begin when we begin having romantic or sexual relationships. They can begin in our family systems, like I said, and during childhood experiences. Why? Well, that's when we're building our identity and our sense of the world, right? Like we start to figure out who we are as children and as adolescents. And so by the time we get into like young adulthood or late adolescence, when we start having relationships, you know, we've already created a set of kind of established beliefs about who we are and how others might see us or about how others might behave. And, you know, obviously that influence can vary from person to person, right? Like some people might not be influenced by, you know, things that happen in their home life or with their families all that much. And other people might be terribly influenced by that. Um, but then, you know, as you go on and you keep accumulating experiences over time, it starts, it does start to become really hard to just like have a clean slate every time you have a new romantic relationship, right? Of course, because you're carrying these thoughts. I'll give another example. How about that? Because I know you love my examples and they are so detail oriented <laughs> based on what we're talking about, right? Yeah, for sure. I, when I was younger and in a relationship, uh, I think I've talked about it before, where uh, my partner was not that very, was not really interested in having sex with me, for instance, okay? And, and I just want to be clear, it wasn't because I'm not great. Everybody listening out there, okay? But 
She didn't have an interest. What are you looking at me like that for? How dare you? I just wanted to be clear, as you like to be clear with the audience, it wasn't because I'm not great. It happened to be because... Well, I wasn't, it wasn't that my thought wasn't about that. My thought was about that, you know... I'm not insecure. I'm not insecure about it. It doesn't matter. I don't need you to tell me. I'm not insecure. It's fine. It's cool. I'm totally great at it, and it's fine. You just keep going, Jeremiah. Keep talking. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, in all honesty, she was not really interested. We had difficulties in our sexual relationship. And when I started my next relationship, I still had some of the feelings from that past relationship that made me then insecure in my next relationship. And it stemmed from feeling like I was undesirable and that she didn't want me and all these other things. And so then I start dating somebody else and it kind of, and it took a few cycles to get a little further away, a couple of relationships before I was able to look back and go, dude, that was not a good relationship. Like she wasn't a very happy person and you, you know, were 21 and, you know, weren't able to really speak your mind in those ways. So, you know, how was that for an example? That Jeremiah was an excellent example. Well done. That was a very good example, right? What you're talking about is the carryover effect, right? That cumulative effect. You carry over some of the insecurities, difficulties that you had from one relationship into the next, right? Thank you. And, you know, like I said, sometimes like, you know, people might listen to us talking right now and be like, yeah, of course, duh, right? But (laughs) again, just knowing and understanding that is one thing, but actually paying attention to it and doing something about it is a totally different thing, right? A lot of times, whether people are conscious of it or not, they often can like really want or feel like a new relationship is a do-over, right? Like they like might desperately want that, especially if they're coming totally. from some type of really, you know, I don't know, let's say somebody's coming from a really painful marriage, right? And they're getting That's a good one. and they're getting remarried and they're like It's a do-over. I get to do it again and I get to try it again and we'll do it over, right? But the reality is no one really gets a complete do-over, right? Because of everything we're talking about, right? Like you still, you still had those experiences. We still carry all of those things with us into the new relationship. And, you know, and I, and I, I don't, I was going to say this earlier, but I think you interrupted me. Um, <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's really hard for this stuff as we age, right? Anybody that's, you know, dating in their 40s versus someone in their 20s is invariably going to have a little more baggage, right? And when I say baggage, I don't even actually mean that in a negative way. They're just invariably going to have more experiences that influence how they kind of behave in a relationship. Why? Well, they've just had more experiences, right? Like they've, like in the snowball, right? If we talk about development being cumulative, they've just gone further down the hill and collected more snow and sticks and twigs along the way, (laughs) right? Right. Such a terrible analogy, but you get what I'm saying. No, I, well, listen, being me, I was like, that is genius. (laughs) (laughs) So, now. I'm glad you're easy to impress, Jeremiah. Makes this very great for me. Um, But, you know, the the really the bigger issue when I say like it's one thing to know about that. But a lot of times these things are really unconscious for people. Right. And so a lot of times people are not aware of it and it can really start to cause a lot of problems in relationships. And um, 
you know, like I said, you know, these are things that I can not just like maybe to an individual in a session or in couples therapy, this happens a lot where I'm like, well, let's think about this thing that happened maybe before the two of you met, or maybe at the beginning of your relationship or whatever it might be. And think about how that's influencing what you're doing now. And very interestingly, like I said, sometimes people are genuinely like surprised by that connection, but sometimes people are also deeply annoyed with me. Oh, about, I, bet. I bet that happens a lot. Yeah, well, people are often, you were correct, just generally people are deeply annoyed with me, but, because <laughs> um, <laughs> it talk a lot, but uh, the in that context, right, people sometimes get really annoyed with me because we're often really motivated to like, kind of quote unquote, just forget about the past, like just let it go. You'll hear, you, I'll hear people say that all the time, especially in couples therapy. You just need to let it go just let it go. Right. And part of the struggle with that is like, what, well, first, why do people want to do that? Why is there an impulse to do that? Well, I don't think that's because someone's a bad person or trying to be an asshole. I think it's because it's painful to go back. Right. Why would anyone want to be like, Hey, let's like talk about this really painful stuff that happened that made me feel really uncomfortable or like a failure. Like, can I just spend a bunch of yeah, time? It's in not that? easy. That's well, that's why people say, it's work when you go to therapy. Somebody got to do the work. Yeah. Well, and I would say that this is stuff that doesn't, you know, I'm seeing it maybe in the context of therapy, right? But like, you know, most people have maybe, you know, a lot of people, especially in long-term relationships, have likely had an argument with their partner who's like kind of hanging on to something that happened in the past. And they're like, just let it go. Why can't you just get over it? Right. And yeah. there's this impulse to be like, we don't need to keep talking about that. It happened. It's done. Right. Or especially if it was a relationship prior to them, I think sometimes that's even more difficult. And again, you know, the struggle can be that like, just because you tell somebody to let something go, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to magically do that. Right. Why? Why not? Well, because it's not that simple. I like that question. Why not? Uh, it's a good one. It's a good question, right? Why not? Well, because emotions aren't always logical. Frankly, in fact, often they're not, right? If a lot of times, if people could just let something go, they would. Why? Well, it would be in their best interest. They also probably don't enjoy still feeling stressed or, you know, concerned about this thing that happened in the past or insecure about it. That's an uncomfortable emotional space to be in. But emotions sort of operate on their own system. We don't get to just magically decide, oh, I feel sad, but you know what? I don't want to feel sad anymore. So let me just turn that off like a switch. And, you know, um, Makes sense. and emotions just really don't behave that way. And, you know, like we're not robots, right? We don't get to just like hit the restart button and, you know, go from there. True. Can you pause? But it would be nice sometimes. It would be really nice to be able to hit that old reset button, the old proverbial reset, like in an old school Nintendo. You just like burr, burr, start the game again, baby, because that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. Right. And also, in my opinion, probably a little bit sad. Right. Because, you know, I, I guess as we're as we're talking about this, I think I do have mixed feelings about that because. About the Nintendo or a reset button or both. I, don't have any mixed feelings about a Nintendo. I feel completely resolved about my feelings <laughs> with a Nintendo. Um, uh, the restart button, right? Because Got it. those failures, those things that went wrong, 
are how we learned. Those are the things that make us interesting, right? Those are the things that make us have color and character. If you that's true too. If you took those things away, it's like you ever seen that movie, The Truman Show? I, you know what? I was funny. I was going to use a different Jim Carrey reference. I was going to use Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless. Either Mind. or, right? You could use either one of those films, right? But I don't. So, like, well, yeah, in both films, right? The the message is life is going to be much more enjoyable if you leave the mess, right? Like at the right, end, not, right. I'm going to ruin the end of Truman Show because if you have not seen it by now, I'm sorry. Spoiler, spoilers, yeah, everybody. spoiler of Truman Show. So, you know, fast forward, I guess. Um, but at the end of Truman Show, right? Like he can live in this like essentially paradise where everything goes right all the time or he can see what's beyond it and maybe have pain and hurt and fear and all of these other things and not succeed. And he chooses that, right? Just like in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? Like, doesn't he decide that he doesn't want to get rid of the the painful memories? The memories, the bad memories, the painful memories are all intertwined with all of the joys of being with her. So letting them go. I love that movie. Yeah. I love both those movies. Because it's part of what makes us who we are. It's part of how we learn. You can't learn without failure. You can't learn without pain, without sadness. Also, you don't know what happiness is if you don't have anything to compare it to, right? Like... Happiness only, this is getting very philosophical, right? But happiness only exists relative to sadness. If you don't experience sadness, then how will you know what happiness is when you experience it? True, true, true. And when we come back, the doc is going to tell us all how to be happy. (laughs) Please do not sell that. (laughs) When we come back. And we're back. And as promised. No. Just as she is Mahatma Gandhi or... don't. (laughs) She is going to explain to us the secret of happiness. I will not because I don't know it. I am not that smart. I am not that smart nor am I that fancy. Just so you all. That was very... You were so humble right there. Like me. That was a really beautiful thing. I think I'm rubbing off on you. Uh. I think, I think, I think I am. I think your humility rubs off on no one. Um. <laughs> oh. oh, Doc. Please continue on. Um, I, well, I, I actually did. You Earlier you asked, why not? Why Why is it not? Yes, I did. Very astutely I asked go. that and question. There was one other thing I wanted, as always, one other thing, one more thing that I wanted to add to that. I, so one of the most common conflicts we have as humans is the space between how we want to feel and how we actually feel, right? Is that like the song that uh, was written by Dave Matthews, man? I have no idea. The space between... I'm not familiar with the lyrics, so I do not. I never know what he's saying, actually, but I love the song. Continue. Okay. Um, I mean, as much as I'm sure everyone would love to hear your... Just continue with Dave Matthews there for a while. <laughs> Uh, spot on impression, by the way. Thank yeah. you. Uh, it creates a conflict, right? Like we often will move through life being like, I really want to feel way A, all right, but I actually feel way B, right? Like, so let's say somebody has a history of their trust being broken by others in relationships and is with their current partner. They may really, really want to trust their current partner, 
but then actually find it really difficult to do so, right? And sometimes that creates a lot of conflict. And frankly, it can sometimes create a lot of shame. That's the thing about baggage, right? Sometimes people are aware, you know, on some level of what their baggage is, and they feel really guilty about it. They feel really bad about that. You're nodding as though you're, did you have something to say? No, I was just very, I was very attentive listening. I thought what you said, I thought you were, I was just listening. Okay. okay. All right. I was just hey, listening. It's cool. It's cool. I don't know why you would ever think I'd attack you about anything. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, just, I'm not sensitive. It's you seem fine. very I'm defensive. Just... Why would you possibly no, be that no, way? Not, what I about our relation? What about our relationship history, Jeremiah? What suggests <laughs> <laughs> or put you on guard or put you on the defensive in any way, shape? Nothing at all. Nothing. Everything's always just been so smooth and wonderful, <laughs> and I love that. I love that about us. How about us? Um, I do. I mean, speaking of relational histories, right? Uh, I do think that sometimes the other piece of this is, you know, a lot of times, you know, people have that guilt, right, that I was talking about because of, you know, the way that it impacts their partners, right? And people often feel really bad about how it might impact their current partner. And sure. to be fair, partners sometimes do feel impacted, right? It can be really hard to feel like you're paying for the sins of someone else. Do you know what I mean by that? Totally do. Totally makes sense. Right. And, and that's a dynamic that can often occur in a relationship, right? So you might have somebody who say, let's say is like, I don't know, a really trustworthy partner that treats their partner really well and shows up for them and helps them feel really safe and secure. And you just generally love the crap out of, you know, your person, but your partner still really struggles to trust you, or at times might have like difficulties being vulnerable with you or coming to you with things. And that can feel really frustrating, right? Yes, it can. It's very frustrating, of course. Right. Because, I mean, when you love somebody and you're there for them and you want to, you know, to, you do anything for them and yet they still are like struggling with some sort of trust issue that could be from past baggage, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Right. And sometimes when people are aware or are more aware of like maybe what that past is or what it might look like, you know, they can maybe be a little more patient or a little more uh, understanding and not personalize that so much. But sometimes, uh, especially if people don't have a lot of awareness, it can feel very purposeful, right? It can, people can really start to be very confused, right? And be like, wait a minute, I'm really great. Like, I mean, I like try to treat you like the best, but you don't trust me. Like, and that can start to really, uh, erode things right over time, yeah, sure. especially if sure. people aren't talking about it. And, and I do think that sometimes, it's hard for people to sometimes truly grasp maybe the impact of something like, let's say a partner, like let's say your partner had um, just some difficult relational experiences prior to you, whether it was in childhood, whether it was in their romantic relationships, but you know, they're maybe doing some things in your relationship that don't feel quite fair to how you treat them or how you engage with them, right? Sometimes that can feel very intentional, right? It can feel very pointed and it can feel like it's about you. But more often than not, it's likely not, right? Like more often than not, right, it is right, right, probably right. more about stuff that happened before you. However, there are probably also times in which it might be about you, but that's probably because of things that have happened in your own relationship and you likely have. Could be, but it's never about me because I don't have these problems. I'm... You like literally just like... 20 minutes ago talked about one of these problems that you had. So I don't really understand. 
I just did that for effect. I just did that for the audience. It was for our listeners. You know what I mean? Good. I'm sure the effect. All right. I'm sure the effect has been had. <laughs> Listen, being the host of the show, as we've already established earlier, how do we then apply this maybe into our sexual world being the university of pleasure if you run into this in a sexual context, not just relationship status? What do you think? Well, I think that it's it would be hard to just not to be difficult, but I think it's hard to just isolate it to that, right? Because that's the thing. I think it probably would impact both the sexual context and the overall relational context in specific ways. I think... Oh, I thought I had you on this. I thought I had uh, you. I will always wiggle away into a gray space. I'm sorry, man. Man, you... I mean, it was so good. It was like a master class of wiggling <laughs> into gray space. Like, well, I was like, well, let's see how she gets around this. And she was just like, well, uh, this are, is easily navigated by somebody Because things are <laughs> like complicated, myself. right? Like, I think that, you know, and it probably depends on what your relationship is. Like, so if you ask me, like, can people carry sexual like baggage into their sexual relationships? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Especially if someone had some really difficult previous sexual experiences, like, yeah, those are maybe absolutely going to show up in their sexual relationship. And sometimes things that aren't sexual at all that occur in people's past still show up in their sexual relationship. Right. Um, because you know, for a lot of people, their sexuality, and by that, I don't mean their sexual orientation. I mean like their sexual self, their sexual identity, experience, thoughts, behaviors, et cetera, right? Like their sexuality is, you know, impacted by overall relationship factors, right? So how they feel. There we go. So it's all intertwined. Yes. It is all a nice big web of things. And so you, you can't really necessarily isolate those things from one another. I mean, sometimes there's really direct correlations that people have, and sometimes they're a little muddier, which is also why people might miss them sometimes. They might not understand the impact. Um, so would you then... Would you then recommend working on – so say you're having struggle in a sexual relationship with your partner. Would you recommend that people maybe look into their past and see what may have caused those issues in the, yeah. in the present and say, you know, hey, maybe you should go talk to somebody about that? Yeah. I mean talk to somebody about it or if you're capable on your own, like journal about it or do some writing or think about it when you're on the on a run. You know what I mean? Like different people process things differently. If you're really struggling, then yeah, probably getting some help with it would be useful. But I think really more than anything, one of the more important things to do, whether it's overall like baggage that's impacting overall relational matters or your sexual relationship, the first thing that you maybe need to do is to acknowledge that the past matters and it's probably influenced you and your partner. Why? Well, because of all of the stuff we've talked about, you don't get to just start over, right? Things don't just start from scratch. You didn't just like, so true. You didn't just like, you know, get beamed up onto a different planet. And now all the stuff that, you know what I mean? Like you, yeah, no reset button here. You're still the person, right? Like you might be an evolved version, but you're still that person that those things happened to in the past is still in you, right? You're still yeah, connected yeah. to it in some way. So I do think that like that idea of like starting to get honest with yourself is one of the bigger things to do, right? If you are the past matters, the past matters. If you're the person out there, if you're a person out there that has a tendency to be an avoider, 
All right. Like you don't like difficult feelings. You don't like uh, conflict. You don't like stressful emotions, which is common, by the way. Right. You're probably somebody that's maybe going to have to do a little bit more deep diving. Right. There's tons of people that really like come into my office and I'll be like, well, what do you think is going on? And they'll like lay out all of these relational experiences and they've drawn a map and they know exactly or at least a pretty good sense of why what's happening is happening. And they've seen those patterns, they've recognized those patterns and they're they're well on their way, right? But then I have and meet with and know and because it's a very common struggle, a whole lot of other people that are still really struggling to even like emotionally allow themselves to go back and to look at some of that stuff that might be hard to look at because it brings up sure. difficult feelings. Yeah, it brings up a lot of hard stuff. Right. And you know what? I, I do think it it is about, um, you know, part of the what to do is about creating these realistic expectations, right? Like, let's say you just ended a relationship and ended a new one. If your plan is to kind of... You mean ended in... Hang on, I want to be clear what you're saying. I got confused. So you're saying if you just ended a relationship but then started a new... Yeah, like if you're in a, a brand new, one, new relationship, right? Like, let's say you had a divorce or a breakup or something and you just started a new relationship, sure. right? If if you're like kind of trying to be honest with yourself and your plan is to kind of like, quote unquote, start fresh and forget that ever happened, that might not be as good a plan as you think it is, right? Well, it's totally going to backfire. Right. It's going to stew. Might, it's going to it's going to rear its ugly head down the line. Yeah, it might be. A, and I'm not a doctor, and even I know that. <laughs> yeah, it might be a little misguided, right? Because unless you are like you said that so nicely, it might be a little misguided. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> it don't make sense. Bad. Well. I mean, unless you are like super, super, super good at repression, um, which side note, you don't want to be. That's not a great signal of mental health, by the way. Um, unless oh, you man. are super, super good at that, the past is likely going to show back up for you and likely in ways that you don't expect and frankly, ways that probably won't be very helpful to you. Um, the other kind of feedback that I'd give to people is be aware of intimacy. So a little bad news, good news, right? The more emotionally intimate and attached you become to someone, the more all that kind of quote unquote baggage from your past may begin to show up. And is that because you have to be becoming more vulnerable with somebody or what's the reason? I mean, it? yeah, because intimacy is vulnerability, right? Like, and also now you have something to lose. You care more. Ooh, you have more yeah. you have more skin in the game, right? So it's yeah. it's easy. I mean, it's part of why people sometimes feel a little oh, how can I say this? A little manipulated maybe later on in a relationship because they'll be like, "Well, these issues weren't there when we first started dating." Right? And they'll be like, Correct. "What happened? Like these issues weren't there in the beginning you trusted me." But and oftentimes I'll talk to people about, "Well, yeah, but that's because they didn't really know you yet and they weren't really as maybe connected with you and intimate with you and dependent on you. And I don't mean dependent in like an unhealthy way. I mean like no, a no, healthy no, way that we all have some degree of dependency on one another, you know, like to survive and get through life. Um, and as we build that attachment, right, like as we build that attachment to other people, then the more we fear losing it. Why? Because it matters. Because now that relationship yeah. really matters to you or, or to us or to whoever. And that means that you have more to lose. 
right? Which then can stir up insecurities and it can stir up fears and it can stir up all sorts of stuff. And that's when I was talking earlier about like, sometimes that's unconscious. That's what I mean, right? Intimacy while amazing. That's what I mean. Bad news, good news. Intimacy while amazing also can start to stir some shit up. (laughs) There you go. And in ways that people often aren't prepared for. Uh, Right. And then you start having arguments and then you start, you know, going back and forth because, you know, it's stirred up those things that you haven't quite dealt with. And then you got to, and that's where it's good, you know, so you would recommend then maybe just like sitting down. I mean, first for, you know, we already did step one. I feel like this is like new kids on the block. Step one. Mm. You gonna have lots of fun. Isn't that like that song? Step by step. I'm just gonna let you keep going. (laughs) Gonna get to you, girl. Right? Yes, I think so. I wasn't a I wasn't a uh NKOB fan in particular. I mean I wasn't either, but I mean you cannot help how great that song was. I mean it's an earworm. I mean you can help it anyway. (laughs) Okay, the point is so like step two, you would recommend um, to sit down with that partner and maybe try to talk about those things? I mean, talk about them together? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry. Like, you're going to have to talk about it. Why? Well, I mean, because if people don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, right, they're going to start to create their own storyline, right? They're going to start to create their own narrative. And oftentimes the story that someone else will come up about you and why you're doing what you're doing can often be much more problematic than the truth, right? Um, there you go. Like, let's say somebody is not, um, you know, maybe sharing particular vulnerabilities with their partner, right? Like they're not being like maybe emotionally open with their partner. It's sometimes if, if people don't talk to their partner about maybe why that's hard for them and maybe the things that have happened in their life that make that hard, then their partner is bound to be like, well, you don't share things with me because you clearly don't love me. Right. They start to misinterpret those things. Right. And yeah, well, I mean, that I mean, that makes good sense, though. I mean, you could see why I could see why they would feel that way. And, you know, this comes up, uh, you know, I do a lot of couples therapy and sometimes this comes up sexually. Right. Where someone was really like sexually open and free, the more like in the beginning of the relationship. But then as they started to become more emotionally intimate sex actually started to become much more difficult and much more vulnerable because right right Right. like it started to trigger some things from a past relationship because sex is vulnerable right it's super vulnerable not for everybody but for a lot of people and you know but if you don't tell somebody maybe why being sexual with them maybe you want to be but you're having a hard time with it because of you know things a b c or d that happened in the past with a previous partner or maybe even frankly that happened with your current partner then people are going to start to just make some assumptions right like in that case it might be like you must not find me desirable again a lot of times it boils to down to you just might you must not care about me or you just don't love me or i'm not good enough or whatever the case might be okay so step one is accepting the past step two talking about it give us a three well i wouldn't say accepting the past i think just because, like, that's a process. So I don't know that's a step. Acknowledging the past? Yeah, acknowledging. Was, are we talking semantics? Acknowledging. Working to be honest with yourself about what it is and how it might be. I mean, fine. Acknowledging. Step two is actually then creating realistic expectations about what that process might look like. I don't even understand what you're talking about right now. I'm trying to help the audience. Continue. 
it's always amazing when you're doing an educational podcast and your co-host is like, I don't even understand what we're talking about. Continue. <laughs> Glad I could be of service. Super. <laughs> anyway. So, acknowledging the past. Part two would be talking about it, maybe. maybe but we, what was those maybe, other things I, that you were saying? I think maybe it's easier to take away the steps. Why? Because everyone's at a different place in this process. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Step one, acknowledge the past. Step two, talk about it. Step three, happiness for eternal life. Boom. Right? I'm Come on, I'm giving even an arm signal. Like, look to the future. Like, babe, Ruth, I'm going to hit home run. Yeah, I think that is probably a little overly simplistic. The, there's a reason okay. that I don't like the steps. I'm not trying to be difficult. I promise you. It's fine. I don't like the steps it's for fine. a couple reasons. One, because not everybody is struggling with this stuff in the same ways or to the same degrees, right? Like somebody might come in and they might already be pretty aware of, you know, what their past, in, like what their past relational patterns are and how those are influencing them. So what they need to do might look a little different than the person that's like got zero awareness at all. So it's hard to kind of like Fair create a cookie. Fair enough. It's hard to, I don't like cookie cutter approaches. I don't know. That sounds like a dig at my cookie cutter approach. <laughs> I mean, I, probably because it was. So <laughs> it wasn't a dig as so much a outright challenging of it. Outright disregard <laughs> for what you were saying. <laughs> Remember earlier in the session where I said that uh, I annoy people? You are clearly discovering. <laughs> Why? Doc, you have, I'm not annoyed at all. It is all. very hard to get at a straight all. answer out of me uh, at all. <laughs> um, but another thing, right, another thing that might be helpful, depending on where you're at, right, is also, yes, just to follow up, because I think we really took people on a convoluted journey there. Yes, you're going to need to start talking about it. Why? Because both for you and the other person, if something's not out there, how are you going to solve the problem? How are you going to do anything about it unless it's out on the table, right? Like, you know, it's kind of that like metaphor of like, uh, you know, shoving things in a closet, right? If you just keep shoving things in a closet, you know, and, and, you know, it's like that kind of like cartoon closet, you know, where there's like a beach ball and, you know, like an old air conditioner and, right. you know, you, and everything falls out and then you get hit in that right. with a bowling ball. Eventually it's going to overflow and it's probably going to overflow in a damaging way. But if you want to clean the closet, right? You first do have to take everything out and put it out in front of you. And in the process of doing that, you're going to make a bigger mess, right? Which is why, and people want to avoid that mess. They don't like that mess, which is why they're shoving things in the closet in the first place. But if you do take the things out of the closet and you put them out in front of you, then you can start looking through them and figuring out where do I put this? Where does this go? Right. And metaphorically, that's kind of the process of what often has to happen in relationships for people to move through some of these things. And so part of it is being patient, being patient with one another, that there is going to be a little bit of a mess, right? But there's a difference between standing together together, like standing together as a couple or in a partnership and looking at it and saying, well, this is a bit of a mess. We probably need to do something about this because at least then you're on the same side. You're looking at the same thing, right? And you can strategize sure. and you can strategize together, right? But if everything is still stuck in that closet, then oftentimes it's just two people on different sides of an empty room trying to make sense of what the hell is going on. And that's a much more I like this metaphor. I really like the closet metaphor. I think this is good. Right. 
because I understand that, because I have a filthy closet. <laughs> so I definitely don't want to clean it out. I am. Definitely don't want it out there for the world to see. And it's a royal pain in the ass right. to go through all my old stuff and decide what I want to get rid of. And I'm not saying I'm a hoarder, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm just making it clear that, yeah, I got a lot Are of stuff. Are you speaking in metaphors then, or like being literal right now? I don't know. What are you speaking in? Because I was just talking about how dirty my closet was. <laughs> I have a suspicion that you might be doing both. Okay. Anyway. Okay. You see that? Ah, you got it, Doc. <laughs> it is 100% true on both fronts. Right. So uh, another huge part of this process is being patient, right? Both with yourself and then also with your partner, depending on who, maybe both of you are struggling equally in this way. Maybe one person has a little bit more like kind of quote unquote baggage i.e. influence of the past, and that's making things hard for them. But that patience is really important, right? Because somebody like we were talking about earlier can't just force themselves to feel secure or trusting of somebody. It's going to take some time, right? And the same thing goes for, you know, the partner. Like, you know, a lot of times in relationships, people are often like really so worried about negatively harming the other person that they like avoid, 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 and then end up creating a self-fulfilling prophecy in which they're harming the other person by avoiding. There you right? go. And this is like one of the most chronic relational issues I see. People are so afraid of like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to hurt them. And so they keep things to themselves, right? And in the process of doing that, they end up doing exactly what they're trying to avoid doing. And, yep, you know, I, yep, I know yep, we've yep. talked about it before, but a huge part of loving and caring about someone else is sometimes in that process, people are going to feel hurt. They are going to feel pain, but it's more about investing in your resilience to get through it than it is about avoiding that because avoidance rarely is the most effective strategy. Um, unless it's like, you know, a swarm of bees, <laughs> like maybe then <laughs> you can, you know, redirect, do it. Um, the other really thing, thing that I think is really important, and I cannot stress this enough, I bet you I talk about this in therapy once a week um, because it's a really hard thing to do, but it's really important, is giving each other the benefit of the doubt, right? And when I say benefit of the doubt, I mean that in a variety of ways, right? Like, let's say you're someone whose partner is really struggling with like, some insecurities or things that are happening from a past relationship. If they're telling you that that's not about you and they're working through them, trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that like that's real for them, right? Or if you want somebody, your partner to just let something go and they can't, if you're telling them that they can't and that they're working on it, trying to believe that. Um, I, I think that part of the reason that this is so important is because if you don't, believe like if you don't believe that your partner is like or you at least don't work to believe you know and give your partner that benefit of the doubt it's really easy to start villainizing like villainizing them right and once that starts to happen a whole lot of other toxic things can start to really just surface from there and kind of accumulate from there does that make sense well i thought that was all very insightful and I tried very hard not to interrupt you. Yes. And it was difficult I know for me. it was difficult for you. But I would like to say that I'm very proud of me <laughs> for taking on that challenge and not interrupting well, you. Well, that makes one of us. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm very proud of you too, Jeremiah. Very proud. Thank Good you. job. Thank you very much. Um, 
if I may, just a couple more quick things and we can be done. I well, I was letting you wrap it up. All right. Um, the other reason that, you know, just trying to get someone to let something go can be problematic, right? Is that sometimes you just telling somebody like, you just need to let it go, right? Sometimes that can actually make them feel more shameful because they're also upset with themselves for not being able Correct. to let it go. Oh, you know, you've. Uh, I have waited for someone to articulate that because that was my biggest thing when I was younger. I think we talked about it briefly, but I used to have a real anger management problem when I was younger, like, you know, my late teens. And when people would just be like, you got to let that go, man. It was always over being wronged. It was always over being, you know, I wasn't just like a rage machine or anything like that, but like over being wronged. If somebody took advantage of me or hurt me in a way, I'd get very upset. And, you know, because I don't hurt people. I don't believe in hurting people. I do everything in my life to never hurt somebody or make them feel badly or whatnot. So when I would get hurt, I would get very upset. And then the one thing that would make me even more angry than anything in the world was when people are going to let it go, man. Just going to let it go. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. God. And <laughs> because you're you're often poking on a button that that person's already insecure about, right? Like Correct. if they could just magically not feel that way, they would. And so when you tell somebody like you just need to let it go, you might actually be making it more difficult for them, right? So now they're like feeling also maybe shameful about how hard it is. And that's never, shame is never going to help the equation, right? And so it's sometimes not in your own best interest, right? If if you want to see the situation resolved, interestingly, sometimes the quickest way is to sit down and have difficult dialogues and to try to really have empathy and you know, develop some empathy for maybe why your partner is struggling in the way that they are. Or if you're the person is struggling to take that time to try to explain it to your partner so they can build that empathy. Um, and do you know how uh, I get over that? Huh? You know how I got how over my situation that? when I was younger? I went and got a therapist. Well done, Jeremiah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I really did. And it's a true story. Good. It's a true story. I was really struggling with it and I knew that I, I couldn't figure it out and I was very upset that I couldn't figure it out. And uh, I literally called my mommy because I was still on her insurance way back then. <laughs> <laughs> and we found a therapist because I said, I want to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. I just needed to talk to somebody. And, uh, you know, it was it, it changed my life. It really did. And so I just wanted to say that it, is, it, it really does help. And if you're struggling with those kind of things, like the doc was saying, talk to your partner or maybe even find someone to talk to. Right. And thank you, Jeremiah. That's very helpful. And I do always agree, right? I think we make way, we way too make a bigger deal like, oh, you, therapy is only for people that are having real problems. We all have real problems, right? Like... <laughs> Uh, great. Right. And now everybody's got them. That right. has and, everything to do with the topic we have today. We all got baggage. We all got problems. Right. And now, yeah, everyone has baggage and maybe some people to greater degrees than others. But honestly, in my experience, usually when someone's carrying around more baggage is because it was, you know, pretty honestly earned. What I mean by that is some pretty tough things have happened yeah. to them. And I understand that a lot of the things that I'm talking about, these are aspirational, right? Like you're working toward them. You can't just, you know, like you, you got to practice a lot of maturity and a lot of like, you know, other sort of relational skills and good communication skills to get there sometimes. But frankly, those are not wasted efforts, right? Those are all things that are going to be part of any high functioning relationship, right? You're never going to be like, oh, I'm so sad that I learned how to be more patient with my partner. 
Um, and so honestly, the sort of final piece of this is just really thinking about just because there's baggage, just because you might have baggage or your partner might have baggage, doesn't mean that it still can't be great. Right. It doesn't mean that you Agreed. still can't have a great relationship. It also doesn't mean that you're not lovable or someone won't want to be in a relationship with you. And, you know, ideally, you know, we talk about these things because these are all things that allow people to have better, stronger relationships. And I know we talk a lot about sex on this podcast because it's really a sexual podcast. But these are all the things that also allow for much more pleasurable, much more enjoyable sexual relationships. Right. Because it's hard to have fun, hot sex when everything else is burning down around you in your relationship. Correct. <laughs> so Correct. I am done. I have said my piece. Well, I want to say thank you, Doc, because this was a very insightful episode, especially to the fact that we made it very clear in front of our millions of fans that I am the host and you are just the doc. And in that aspect of things, I think that this was a very successful night. <laughs> I don't know why we always have to get so hierarchical. I think we could just, you know, like share an experience and, you know, not have to really define it as one person, you know, being in charge versus the other. I disagree. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> no, but in all, in all honesty, we're going to finish this up. Thank you so much, doc, for all of your insightful tips, because truthfully, I, I do agree, you know, even though it was not necessarily directly focused on sex, it is something that, you know, really, if you work on those things, like the doc's saying, these other things over here, the sexual aspect and pleasure, which we're all about here, is going to be heightened all across the board. Find that time, talk to each other, and if you really are struggling, please do reach out to somebody because, um, you know, it really did help me in the past. I know it's helped many people that I know, and the doc, as you can all tell, is a rock star and helps many, 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 many people. So thank you for everything that you do, doc. Please, everybody, stay safe. And I didn't have a chance to thank all those people out there that are keeping us safe right now. And uh, just remember to be kind, be understanding, and uh, we'll talk to you all again next week. Take care, Doc. Take care, Jeremiah. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen, and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. <laughs>